From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms, a show all about you and your rights. I'm Sharita Brent, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Today we'll talk about your free speech rights and the rights of protesters. What are the rights of the post-election protesters as well as the pipeline protests? Can the government restrict protests, regulate them, prevent them? We'll also talk about cases of graffiti seen in various places. Is graffiti protected speech? What about graffiti with a message of hate? You can give us a call today if you have any questions or comments about free speech or the rights of protesters. The number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email us at legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back right after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is a show all about you and your rights. I'm Sharia Brent, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law, Today, we'll talk about your free speech rights and the rights of protesters. What are the rights of those post-election protesters as well as the pipeline protests? Can the government restrict protests, regulate them, prevent them? We'll also talk about cases of graffiti seen in various places. Is graffiti protected speech? What about graffiti with a message of hate? You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING today if you have any questions or comments about free speech or the rights of protesters. That's 877-672-7400. Or, six four, or email us at legalterms at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Professor Gershon. How are you today? Doing great, Sharita. I hope you're doing well as well. Yes, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, the weather is, is kind of getting to me a little bit, so if I sound a little congested today, that's what it is. But I'm using my home remedy. Uh, my grandmother taught me with the peppermint, lemon juice, and water, and honey. Uh, no Jack Daniels or anything this early because I'm on the, the radio. But maybe later on tonight I'll make a, a different kind of hot toddy. <laughs> that's a, that sounds good to me. But, uh, you know, really, I hope you feel better. Thank you. Uh, well, this is going to be a really good conversation today. I think it's it's right on time. We've seen so many different things going on uh, with the ending of the election and uh, the different kinds of responses that we've seen. Uh, protests. Also, there has been some social media protesting and different comments. So we're going to try to put some things in perspective today when it comes to free speech, what you can and cannot say, what you could or could not be held accountable for. Uh, so, Prof- Professor Gershon, let's talk a little bit about free speech and, and in general, um, have the terms of free speech changed, especially with the, the rise of social media, or uh, does that same foundation pretty much stand as it always has? Well, Sharita, the uh, Supreme Court uh, decided in 1997, when the, when the Internet was still pretty new, uh, in a case called Reno versus the ACLU, that speech on the Internet was equal to any other kind of speech and was protected and given the highest protection of the First Amendment. Uh, so when we say free speech, uh, what what should we be thinking about when we say free speech? I'm sure there are some types of free speech that are not protected by the First Amendment. That's correct. And it really, you know, there's a list. Uh, I think some scholars disagree on the exact list, but some things that are clearly in the category of not protected speech would be obscenity. You know, their famous case of we'll know it when we see it was really about obscenity and what is obscenity uh, and, and also uh, pornography. 
uh, fighting words um, are not protected free speech. Defamation, which would include libel and slander, uh, are not free speech. Uh, child pornography, we do not uh, treat that as free speech. It's not protected, and for good reason. Perjury, uh, someone who lies under oath. Uh, they can't say, well, I was exercising my right to free speech. That's, that's a criminal activity. Blackmail is not free speech. Incitement to imminent lawless action. So if I, if I encourage people to commit crimes uh, imminently, uh, you know, by saying, let's go break into that car, that's not free speech. True threats. So if I'm making a, you know, an idle threat, that's, that can be protected free speech. But if I'm making a true threat that's one that says that, uh, for example, you know, I will uh, overthrow the government, and, uh, and I've taken action to support that. Those true threats can be uh, can be stopped. They're not uh, free speech. And then uh, solicitations to commit crimes are not free speech. Treason would not be free speech. So there are there are these categories that the court has looked at and said, hey, you know, free speech uh, is a very very highly protected right. But there's some things that aren't protected. So who is the the keeper of these laws? Because a lot of these things are. Uh, done and seen on a daily basis, uh, but you know, if I mean, you know, the the, the public can't always hold the public accountable. So, uh, who who is the keeper of these things? Is there some kind of expectancy for uh, people in society to hold other people accountable to these things? There is, but also, you know, some of the list of unprotected speech or cr- criminal activity, anyway, crim- you know, child pornography, perjury, uh, blackmail, things like that, uh, would be things the police would deal with. And so if someone was, uh, you know, uh, trying to blackmail me, I would call the authorities, uh, and that's how we would regulate that type of speech. Otherwise, I mean, Justice Brandeis said early on in, in, in our country, the remedy for offensive speech is not to ban it. The remedy for offensive speech is more speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we want to have a free marketplace of ideas. So in our country, we don't have, for example, speech codes that say that certain words, you know, uh, you know, are not allowed. Certain ideas are not allowed. Uh, we really want a free marketplace of ideas, even if those ideas sometimes are offensive. Uh, we have a call to get to. Ron is in Hattiesburg with a comment. Good morning, Ron. What do you have for us? Uh, yes, I would just like to say I believe that it's okay that we, you know, have our our speech and we can protest. But when that protest becomes to get to where they're breaking. Um, buildings and destroying people's properties, then that becomes an issue, number one. Then number two, I have no doubt in my mind that the Hillary Clinton, when she made her speech, that that she moved forward for people to protest when she said, don't let them take away your freedom of speech. You know, we need to stand up for our rights. Yeah, we do need to stand up for, for our rights, but there's also a way that we stand up for our rights and things to be done in the right way. All right, Ron, thank you for that comment. Uh, Professor Gershon, any thoughts? Ron, that's a really good comment. And really, that's the difference between speech and behavior. You know, that's really one, one thing we all need to think about is the difference between speech and behavior. It's, it's one thing for me to uh, peacefully protest, hold a sign, you know, express my, my values, my points of view. When I start throwing rocks or I start breaking into other people's property, that's behavior. That is not speech. And so we, we do not uh, protect those kinds of behaviors uh, that can be criminal or can be uh, – you know, uh, uh, harm someone else's property and have civil damages. Those are not protected, but the, the speech itself is protected. 
All right, Ron, thank you so much for your call. 877-MPB-RING is the number if you want to join the conversation. This morning we're talking about free speech rights and the rights of protesters. If you have any comments or questions about the rights of protesters, uh, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. What do you think about free speech on the Internet? Do you think folks should be able to say whatever they want? Give us a call at 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. Uh, so since Ron brought up protesting, uh, we've seen lots of post-election protesters. Um, I mean, like huge, huge crowds in New York and, and other areas. Uh, what are the limitations as far as what they can do? Uh, I know there have been some complaints in the past about major highways being blocked and things like that. So uh, legally, what are the limitations when it comes to protesting? Well, that's a great question, Sharita. And, you know, the the thing is, I mean, the... The right for us to join with our fellow citizens uh, in protest or peaceful assembly is critical to our democracy. But there are there are some restrictions. And for example, you know, where can I say these things? What you know, what what, what limits are there? I mean, typically, you know, if someone wants to stand on a street corner uh, with a with a sign, as long as they're not obstructing traffic, as long as they're not obstructing uh, other people walking on the sidewalk, you know, that that's pretty much uh, completely protected speech, as it should be. But, you know, if, if we're if we're blocking roads uh, or, you know, without a permit, I mean, if I want to have a parade, I need to get a permit because I'm going to block roads. But if I'm if I'm blocking roads, uh, then then the police can intervene. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's really a, a question of where can we engage in that speech? You know, any public place, parks, uh, sidewalks, you know, uh, can be uh, places where we can exercise our free speech. But as soon as we start obstructing the flow of other people, then, then you know, of course, their rights uh, uh, also come into play. Okay, so a lot of these situations where you have protesters, they need permits. Uh, so who is supposed to get that permit? Well, the organization would go, uh, for example, uh, to get a permit. If, if we wanted to do a parade, you know, you go to the local authority and uh, ask them uh, for a parade permit, and they can put restrictions on uh, time, place, and manner. Uh, so, you know, they could say, well, if you're going to do a parade uh, that starts at uh, 5 a.m. Uh, that's going to be noisy and go through a residential area. We, we can we can restrict you doing that. We can't stop you from having the parade, but we can say you can't do it at that time. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the place as well and manner. So, you know, if I'm going to try to do it on a on a busy highway, they, they could say, well, you can't do it there. Uh, but, you know, there are other places where you can express uh, your opinion. What but but what the authority can't do is prevent me from having my parade based on the content of my speech. So, you know, if, if I want to say something, if I want to have a parade that's controversial or I want to uh, demonstrate in a way that's controversial in a public place uh, that other people are allowed to demonstrate, then the government can't stop me from demonstrating just because they may not like my message. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a call to get to. Eddie is in Mississippi with a comment. Good morning, Eddie. What do you have for us? Um, I'm calling, you know, to stand up for a lot of the people that's been going through a lot of things, you know, with what's going on in our times. And we want to go out there, yes, and have freedom of speech. But when we do that, of course, there's going to always be others that want to get all the way out of line, you know, throw the rocks or cuss you out and all that. And it makes people that people look bad, too. But uh, we feel like you're against us now, too, 
you know, and it just gets all out of hand that way. You know, people feel like they're not protected and nobody's really understanding what's happening and they get frustrated, you know. But you have to really let it be known how we're supposed to do this. You know, don't just say that we're protected and then we go out there and the police want to run up on you because of the way you're dressed and you look like the bad one, but, you know, you really are standing up for a good car and everybody's frustrated. I don't know what to do. All right, uh, Eddie, thank you so much for your call. Professor Gershon, any additional thoughts? Eddie, that's uh, a really good point, that, that you should not be targeted for the way you're dressed or, or, or you know, or uh, anything. As long as you are uh, peacefully walking down the street, you know, you shouldn't be targeted that way. That would be, uh, you know, that's, a, a, to me, an abuse of authority. Um, you know, freedom of expression, how we dress is freedom of expression. Uh, you know, uh, and, and those kinds of things should not be... Uh, limited by by the police just because you're out on the street uh and so um yeah we we are we do have protected rights there are organizations that will stand up for those rights as well uh one of the one of the biggest organizations in, in the country in terms of protecting rights of free expression uh is the aclu they protected the rights of nazis for example to march uh in in a, in a parade uh they protect the rights of uh students in, in schools they protect the rights of you know any of us for freedom of expression and uh, you know they're an organization that a lot of people think just uh, is on the uh, the left but actually they're they're for they stand up for everyone's rights and, and when it comes to freedom of expression uh, they actually uh, do a really good job all right, Eddie, thank you for your call. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we'll continue talking about uh, your free speech rights and the rights of protesters. We'd love to hear from you this morning, listeners. Do you support the right to protest? Do you believe protesting is effective? Do you have any comments or questions about free speech on the Internet? Uh, we'll talk about some stories where people have posted things that might be considered offensive or racist, and we'll talk about that free, free freedom of speech on the Internet when we get back. 877-MPB-RING is the number. That's 877 877- 672-7464. We do have some lines open. You can also email us at legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back in just a moment. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And today we're talking about your free speech rights and the rights of protesters. We're talking we're going to talk about the post-election protests and what are the, the ramifications there. Also, can the government restrict protests, regulate or prevent them? And we're going to get into just a moment the cases of graffiti seen in various places. Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Do you support the right to protest? Do you think protests are effective or 
or ineffective. We'd love to get your thoughts on free speech, uh, especially on the Internet, social media. Do you think people should be uh, given the freedom to talk about whatever they want to talk about on social media with no accountability? Give us a call at 877-672-7464. That's 877-MPB-RING. We do have some lines open. Or you can email us at legalterms at mpbonline.org. So, Professor Gershon, before the break, we were talking um, about protesters and some of the, the things that they can and cannot do. I'm curious about um, weaponry. Are, are they able to carry weapons or does it depend on if a state uh, is open carry or not? Do you even think that's a good idea for protesters to, to have weapons at all? Well, again, you know, those are really in some ways uh, separate rules because if, uh, you know, if they're allowed to have open carry, uh, yeah, then... Uh, they can carry their weapon uh, if they're you have a permit. They can carry their weapon as long as they're not in a place that prohibits those. Now, one thing to remember is we're talking about the difference between public property and private property. Protesters do not have a, uh, any kind of constitutionally protected right to show up on somebody's private property and start uh, protesting um, unless that uh, landowner gives them permission because the Constitution really just protects us from government interference with our, our free speech rights. On the other hand, if I'm in a public park, uh, then you know I can hand out brochures, I can uh, make statements, as long as I'm not obstructing people as they try to move around in the park, you know, that's, that is my right uh, in terms of free speech. So uh, one of the things that we look for in, in protesters is if they're, if they're big groups of protesters, are they being disruptive to uh, other people? Are they on public property? And uh, if they're big enough that they're basically a parade or they're uh, you know blocking a public plaza, then they then they should get a permit. You know, there have been lots of disagreements about um, the use of police force when it comes to protests. Uh, there have been some situations where protesters have not been met with police force at all, and then in other situations they have. So what is what, what are the expectations of the police? You know, do things have to get to a certain point before they come out there and riot gear? Um, you know, what I, I'm just curious about their training. I don't know if you know about this, but uh, what what are the police trained to do when it comes to protests? Well, one of the things their job is to keep the peace. And so as long as people are peacefully assembling, uh, even if they're, uh, you know, saying something controversial, they're they're entitled to, to, to give that message. The police are there to keep the peace. And so, uh, you know, there are times when counter protesters show up. Uh, you know, and so if counter protesters show up, the police can keep the two sets of protesters separate from each other. Those other protesters also have a right to, to free speech. It's when the behavior then steps over the line and people start uh, uh, getting violent or start throwing things. That's when the police have to step in to keep the peace. So it's a thin line for them. Now, when we looked, you know, at the civil rights movement back in the 60s, uh, police oftentimes overstep that line and, and you know uh, dr king's uh, protests were peaceful and uh and the police would you know attack and so um you know peaceful resistance uh really i think got the attention of of, of the media as well and uh and was effective i do think protests are effective uh as long as people can think about the difference between speech and behavior 
All right, we'd love to hear from you this morning, listeners. 877-MPB-RING is the number. Do you support the right to protest? Do you think protesting is effective or do you think it can be destructive? Call us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. You can also email us at legalterms at mpbonline.org. And uh, we'd also like to hear from you when it comes to free speech. Uh, do you think people should have the freedom to say whatever they want on platforms like social media, give us a call at 877-672-7464. Uh, so, Dean Gershon, let's talk a little bit about uh, protests when it comes to students. Uh, we've seen some students walking out of class um, and, and staging protests like that. Uh, do college campuses or high school campuses uh, have to respect students' rights to protest as well? Sharita, in 1969, the Supreme Court said that uh, students do not shed their rights of freedom at the schoolhouse gate. Hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, students do, and, and that includes um, high school students and, and middle school students do still have a right of free expression. Uh, and, uh, and for example, the, that particular case in, in, uh, in Tinker in 1969 said that uh, students could wear armbands in protest of the Vietnam War uh, and, uh, and could not be restricted from doing so by, by the school. Um, now, on the other hand, uh, in the 1980s, there was a case called Hazelwood that said that lewd speech by students was not protected. So, they, you know, adults, uh, I think, have a little bit more freedom in terms of, uh, you know, our, our ability to, to free speech because students are in a public school system. Uh, you know, they are they, they can't be disruptive of the educational process. And, and so schools can regulate if they're being uh, disruptive of the educational process. The students that walked out in Maryland, for example, can be counted absent uh, for not being in those classes, but uh, they can't be stopped from expressing uh, their, their uh, you know, feelings and their, and, and their beliefs. All right, we have a couple calls to get to. We go first to John, who's in Corinth, with a comment. Good morning, John. What do you have for us? Uh, yes, I, I mean, I, I'm talking about the protest. I've seen some where it's violent, uh, and then and there's these uh, just horrendous uh, statements being made and, uh, against you know everyone who supported Trump. So I, I listen to NPR, I try to read BBC, and different viewpoints because I'm a conservative. I try to find as many different viewpoints as I can to you know uh, see both sides of the story. I have noticed that they've removed the comment sections from NPR, and so. When people feel like they don't have a platform, you know, what do you do? We got to have some kind of platform to have a civil discussion, and it doesn't seem to be promoted in the mainstream media and then other places to have a civil discussion. So that's all I wanted to add. All right, John, thank you for that call. And the comment sections on social media can get pretty intense and uh, uh, shameful. Uh, so I, I understand why some of these news mediums take away the comment sections because, you know, hateful speech gets to going back and forth. And it, it really is embarrassing to see. But, uh, Professor Gershon, do you have any additional thoughts? Well, John, John raises a good point. I think civil discussion is what this is all about. You know, that's the whole point of our a free marketplace of ideas is what Brandeis was talking about when he said the, you know, the remedy for uh, offensive speech is more speech because we, we really need to have this discussion civilly. NPR and other organizations like NPR really are not 
governmental entities. So, you know, if CNN, for example, take, wants to take down its comment section, it has every right to do that um, because it's a private entity. Uh, you know, but but I agree with Sharita. I think, you know, what happens is the comments get so out of hand and people use uh, uh, pseudonyms or anonymous to, to post uh, their comments, so there's really no accountability there. And, and, and what I would hope is that if someone has something to say, uh, and you know, even if it's controversial, they're willing to put their name and face to that something to say. I think that adds to civil discourse when you well, just throw well, something out respect, there. And I, I don't mean to interrupt you, Doctor, with all due respect. Have you uh, heard of Grubhub? It's a company that basically you can use an app and, and have your groceries delivered to your house. The CEO of that company came out and said, hey, if you supported Trump, you're not welcome here. So that's not promoting um, discussion. When you've got an NPR is funded by the government, it's just they do some little tricks to they give allotments instead of a direct funding. I do know that much. But when you don't have the right to express your opinion without losing your job, and as a conservative and a Trump supporter, we couldn't be vocal. Because we could lose our job. Seriously. That's a serious problem for half of the country. We're not being uh, allowed a voice. That's why you got Trump. That is exactly why. And I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you all for taking my call. You're welcome, John. And having a very civil discussion. Thank you. Good day. Thank you. And that was an interesting uh, comment by by John about... um, his thoughts on being able to express himself. And I, I mean, there are plenty of situations where people have lost jobs because of what they posted in my experience has been offensive. Uh, Dean Gershon, I, I sent you a story that I saw earlier this week about uh, the director of a West Virginia development group and a mayor. Uh, there was a post made about first lady, Michelle Obama. Um, it said it will be refreshing to have a classy, beautiful, dignified first lady in the white house. I'm tired of seeing an ape in heels and the mayor uh, responded, just made my day in response to the woman who posted that. So when something like that is posted, many could find that offensive. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say that that is civil or respectful at all. So wh- what are your thoughts on, on this idea about uh, freedom of expression when it comes to uh, social media? Well, and again, you know, I, d- I don't think that's civil at all. Uh, but. You know, people do have a right to express themselves in a way that's obnoxious and, and uh, controversial. Uh, and, you know, in terms of, the, you know, the Grubhub uh, comment that, that John mentioned, I think, you know, Grubhub, again, is a private employer. Private employers can put restrictions on, on what their employees can say. Uh, you know, that's not a government actor. Uh, a little bit different. I don't, agree, you know, I don't think it's a, you know, a good idea for any employer to say we can only have one point of view here. Uh, but, you know, it, it happens on both sides. And I think, you know, that when it, when, we, when it comes to what's offensive, I mean, I think clearly what was said by the West Virginia mayor and, and the other person who sent the texter is offensive. Um, but, but, you know, that also is in the eye of the beholder. For example, you know, the, uh, someone would say, you know, a swastika is not offensive. I think it's highly offensive. Mm. But other people think when I say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, that's offensive. You know, it's all it's all part of this spectrum of what is, you know, who is the who is the person viewing that. So we do need to be able to have a discourse uh, and, and be able to talk civilly. Um, my problem with the way it's done on the Internet is people hide behind 
uh, you know, a non-anonymity, and that's my opinion. That's not the opinions of uh, MPB, but it's, you know, and, and unless we're willing to put ourselves out there and say, this is my opinion, and have the courage to do that, I think it's hard to have a civil, civil discourse. That's a good point. Uh, we need to take a quick break. We have several calls to get to. Robert, Dudley, and Gladys, hold on just a moment. We're going to get to you right after this break. We're talking about free speech rights and the rights of protesters. If you have any comments or questions, you can call us at 877-MPB-RING. Do you support the right to protest? Do you think protests are effective or ineffective? We'd love to hear your thoughts on free speech as well, especially when it comes to things like social media. 877-672-7464 is the number, or email us at legal terms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back in just a moment. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent. Joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And today we're talking about your free speech rights and the rights of protesters. Uh, we have been getting your comments and questions. Do you support the right to protest? Do you think protesting is effective or ineffective? And we'd love to hear your thoughts on free speech as well, uh, particularly when it comes to social media. Do you think people should be able to say whatever they want to say and not get in trouble for it? We have lots of calls to get to. Robert is in Meridian with a comment. Good morning, Robert. What do you have for us? Good morning, folks. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. I hope this isn't too much of a stretch. There is a long, long dead author who maybe died about 40, 50 years ago. And I want to use a fictional created name within this author's works as a pen name. And I'm wondering, you know, I missed this idea when your copyright guest was on but i'm wondering would i have the right to um without anyone's permission to extract a created name from one of this author's fictional works and use it in such a manner all right interesting question robert uh professor gershon any thoughts well, you know, Robert, I think, first of all, I wish Stacey Lantain was here, our, our <laughs> wonderful expert on copyrights. Um, my, my best guess on this would be you wouldn't have to because it's, I don't think you can copyright a name. You can trademark a name, like Mickey Mouse could certainly be trademarked, but, you know, that's, that, that's something different. But, you know, just a name, you know, I, I, I will every once in a while admit uh, that I will Google my name to see what other Richard Gershons are out there. There are a lot of them. So, I mean, I just don't think... You know, you could uh, you could copyright a name per se. No, no, but but I don't. Oh, oh I understand because yeah. So I think you, you can know. use it. I mean, it, it just depends. enough. you know, if it was Harry Potter, that might be different because you know, that, you. that could be a trademark, and that would be <laughs> you know, a, a different kind of thing. But if it's just a name within the the work, uh, that should be okay. Beautiful, beautiful. Have a good day. All right, thank you so much, Robert. Uh, we go next to Dudley in Carroll County with a question. Good morning, Dudley. What do you have for us? I have 
am confused about freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Okay. Could you help me with that? Okay. All right, and, and I think let's talk about, uh, for example, students. There's, a, I think, we're there's a great confusion. Happy to answer that question. Um, you know, they're both they're both freedom of expression when you really come right down to it. Uh, one is freedom of expression of conscience uh, in terms of you know how someone believes and how they pray. The other is freedom of expression about anything. And so I think there's some confusion about whether, for example, uh, students can pray or they can discuss religion in school. And the fact is they can't. They have free speech rights to do so. What they can't do is they can't interrupt class to do it. They can't disrupt you know other students to do it. But they can certainly you know, pray in school they can, and, you know, and, and, and engage with other students in their own time about religion. That's perfectly fine. Uh, what we can't have is a state-sponsored religion, just like we can't have state-sponsored speech. The state cannot say the only, the only things that you can say are these following things. The state, we don't want the state to say the only things you can believe are these things. And any time the state uh, then sponsors a, a prayer or the school sponsors a prayer for the whole whole school, that's considered state-sponsored religion. Now, on the other hand, if the student body elects a student to speak at graduation and that student happens to include a prayer in their speech, that's perfectly fine. That is protected. So you know, there, there, uh, I think the confusion comes from uh, you know, the, the various ways that uh, the cases can be interpreted. But the bottom line is what we don't want is state-sponsored religion or state-sponsored speech. We want people to be able to freely express their conscience and their, and their beliefs uh, without uh, government interference. All right, Dudley, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. We go next to Gladys, who's in Jackson. Good morning, Gladys. What's your question? Uh, my question is this. Uh, in the recent convention, uh, the mantra, locker up, became very popular, uh, yet there was no case ever filed to give a reason to lock her up. Now, is that, you know, where does that lie in freedom of speech? Is that inciting or is that freedom of speech? It's a good question, Gladys. That's a really good question. I, you know, I think it falls under the category of protected free speech. Again, you know, uh, if it's, uh, I kind of found it offensive myself, but that's my personal opinion. Um, you know, uh, going back to what Brandeis said, we don't ban speech. Uh, we, we have more speech. So I think, you know, people need to talk about that and say why maybe that was uh, not the right approach if that's what they feel. We need to have that open discourse. That's how our democracy functions. And, you know, uh, the caller before said that a lot of Trump supporters were afraid to speak out. And I've heard that, actually. And that, that's unfortunate. I think we, we want people to be able to express their opinions, you know, yeah. and not feel like they're going to be threatened in expressing them. Well, it kind of offended me for, because I can remember in some church programs where we scream out, crucify him, crucify him. And then when it was said, that immediately hit me right then and there. I said, what's the difference? Hmm. So, okay, thanks. Thank you so much, Gladys. And uh, Professor Gershon, along those same lines, we got an email. It says, where is the legal line on the hashtags, uh, hashtag assassinate Trump, hashtag kill Trump, and hashtag rape Melania? It's obviously disgusting that we live in a world where it is trending to call for someone's rape or death, but is it technically a threat? That's a great question. And for it to be a threat and, and therefore uh, you know, to be something that could be restricted, it would have to be considered a true threat. And a true threat is one, uh, you know, uh, I remember a recent case where um, a former husband was writing stuff on his wife's Facebook page directly to her, threatening her, very, very nasty, very, you know, obscene. 
that was a situation where, uh, you know, the government could regulate that and say this person, you know, is a true threat. We really feel like he will carry these out. Um, you know, uh, it's unfortunate that people are saying the kind of things they're saying. Uh, again, I would hope that we would uh, be kinder to each other. That's really what we need to be doing in these times. But, you know, those types of hashtags, if they're not really a direct threat, nobody really believes they're going to happen, uh, you know, then they can, uh, they can be protected free speech. All right, Jay is in Mobile with a comment. Good morning, Jay. What do you have for us? Well, you talk about uh, being kinder and what you elect uh, someone that uh, professes hate. Um, then just the fact that uh, 50% or just under 50 voted for a pedophile, admitted sexual predator, uh, there's a large society of America that uh, kind of resents having that person represent our country overseas, around the world. Now, while Russia is extremely happy with our decision, um, we do have the right to legal protest. And without that, you face the possibility of a revolution, which is also a God-given right, if we want to. Now, I'm not calling for an assassination or anything like that, but... Uh, um, something needs to be done. If he doesn't mellow his tone, we've given, let's, let's, we're going to see what he's going to do. But uh, if he starts uh, in with the hate, um, you know, then, then he can expect the wrath of an ungrateful nation. But uh, I resent, I don't claim Trump as my president. I was born in this country. It's St. Louis. I tell you, I'm extremely angry. And, and he doesn't believe in climate change. He's an admitted sexual predator. Uh, he's under indictment for rape of a 13-year-old, for God's sakes. And this is the man you want representing us around the world? Well, the world is appalled. And over 50% of America is appalled as well. And um, anyone that supports him, um, then uh, God help him. So they voted in error. They're, they're so angry they don't know what to do, so they vote for the extreme alternative without any rhyme or reason. man yesterday told me he was, he was thinking of his granddaughter when he voted for Trump. And this is one of those hippies from the 70s. Let's imagine that. You know, they march against Nixon. You know, they get sprayed with water hoses and some even shot Kent State. But uh, this, uh, you know... You know, man-made constitution, and the, the founding fathers would be absolutely appalled at the choice that this country is allowed. And I really think the Electoral College needs a rework. All right, Jay, thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it. And uh, Professor Gershon, you know, we, we hear passion in Jay's voice that uh, apparently many people share as they are uh, protesting against the selection of uh, Donald Trump as the, the president-elect. Uh, but what do you think about his um, comment about there being a revolution? Do you think it could get to that point? Um, would that be the legal right of people to uh, advance from a protest to uh, a revolution of some sort? Well, I'll just say I hope not. I hope not because I think we have checks and balances in our country. You know, there. I'm I'm happy that people who uh, want to express themselves uh, can do so in this country on both sides. I'm I'm happy that uh, Jay could call and and have this open forum. This doesn't happen 
in other countries. Uh, you know, this, this right of free speech is very important. The right to disagree with each other is very important. You know, the, you know, the fact that there are people who are unhappy with the election can still express that and not be suppressed is very important. That's, that's how our democracy functions. We do have checks and balances. We have a Supreme Court. We have uh, a legislature. The president is not all-powerful. The president's not a dictator. And that's also uh, fortunate. We have ways to remove a president who acts uh, in a way that is improper. Uh, you mentioned Nixon. Uh, Nixon resigned, but you know I think the writing was on the wall that he would have been uh, impeached. So we have mechanisms uh, before this revolution. You know I think revolution ultimately would not do any of us any good. Uh, a lot of people would die. We have peaceful transition of power. Sometimes we don't like that transition. But we have a means four years from now to, to change that government completely. And, and I think we need to exercise our votes and we need to exercise our, our right to free speech, as, as Jay has done today. All right, Jay, thanks for your call. Uh, we go next to Charles, who's in Mobile with a comment. Good morning, Charles. What do you have for us? Hello? Hi, Charles. You're on the air. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought she said I was number four. Uh, Yes, well, I guess my comment was uh, earlier in the uh, in the race, um, basically Mr. Trump had, uh, excuse me, President Trump had um, threatened that he wouldn't accept the election result. Okay? Had he not won and basically called for armed resistance to a Hillary Clinton presidency, would that be speech that would not qualify as free all right. Good question, Charles. Any thoughts, Professor Gershon? Yes. I mean, if you, you know, one, if we call for armed uh, uh, insurgents against our country, uh, you know, those are the kinds of things that we really, if, if, if we're serious about it, if it's not satire and it's not, uh, you know, just idle threat, but, but a serious threat, uh, and you've got somebody in a leadership role calling for overthrow of the government, you know, that is the kind of uh, 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 speech that can be regulated. Again, it would have to. It would depend on the circumstance. I mean, a lot of people get ty- get uh, upset about satire, but satire you can, you know, something satire. It's not considered real. It's ridicule, and and typically we we can ridicule, but when the threat becomes real, then that is a, a whole different thing, and and we do have protections against that. All right, Charles. Thank you for your call. We do appreciate it. Um, we go next to Michael, who has a question. Good morning, Michael. What do you have for us today? Michael, you're on the air. Hey, y'all. Good morning. Um, I just had a quick question regarding, um, I guess, freedom of speech towards police officers. Um, My intention is not to uh, go out and belittle any officer at all or anything like that, but I was wondering um, at what point could law enforcement detain you for what you are saying? And I... I ask that um, just because I've seen plenty of videos and heard stories of, you know, people getting arrested for becoming sort of verbally out of control with the police, but never really getting physical or actually doing anything other than, you know, maybe just flying off the handle or something like that. So, yeah, uh, at what point would law enforcement be able to detain you um, just for what you were saying, or, or is that legal at all? All right. Good question, Michael. Uh, any thoughts, Professor Gershon? Great question. Well, again, it depends on the circumstances. And if you are stopped by a police officer, you know, even if you think, you know, you're exercising your rights to free speech, I think the best thing is to stay calm, be polite, uh, 
don't run, don't argue, don't resist, don't obstruct them. You know, then, you know, uh, if you're arrested uh, inappropriately, talk to a lawyer. You know, that's that's where you have someone who understands the law and can help with your rights. If, you know, if you're in in that kind of situation and you can't afford a lawyer, then you will have a lawyer appointed for you. So somebody who can speak for you. But the most important thing is when in that situation, police are people too. And so, you know, one of the things that we can do as citizens, even even if we're within our rights to be saying what we're saying, you know, if we're approached by the police and, and they're clearly upset with what we're doing, stay calm, be polite, don't run, don't argue, don't resist. You know, that that will be a better outcome for everybody. All right, uh, Michael, thank you so much for your call. We do have some time left if you want to join the conversation. The number is 877-MPB-RING. We've been talking about the right to protest. Is that something you support? Do you think protests are effective or ineffective? We're also talking about free speech. What are your thoughts on free speech, particularly on social media? Do you think people should be able to say what they want? If you have any other comments about civil discussions, you can call us at 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. Uh, before we get back to the phones, Professor Gerson, I wanted to ask really quickly about um, graffiti. Uh, we, we've seen some cases. I think there was a case in, in Philadelphia where there was some graffiti painted on a wall. Uh, it said Trump's rule, Trump rules. There was a swastika painted on the wall um, and some other things that I can't say on the radio. Um, but is graffiti protected speech and particularly graffiti with a message of hate? Well, Sharita, really, again, we look at speech versus behavior. Uh, there was a swastika in an elevator here on campus, for example. That, that is really you know, someone vandalizing property that doesn't belong to them, irrespective of the message. You know, the, the hate message just makes it, to me, uh, worse. But it, but it doesn't, you know, that's still, it's behavior, not speech. Same with graffiti, you know, on somebody else's property or, or property that doesn't belong to you. That's vandalism, and that is not protected. Um, you know, if somebody wants to, you know, the, the, the people who want to write those things want to stand up and talk about them, uh, again, then people can have a discourse with them. You can't have discourse with graffiti. Uh, and so the idea behind free speech is really that, that free exchange of ideas. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, if someone wants to uh, carry a swastika in their yard, you know, that is their protected right. Uh, you know, the Westboro Baptist Church is offensive as many things they say to most people. Uh, I think the vast majority of uh, Americans, they have a protected right to free speech. They're out there in public doing it. They're not scrawling it on walls and things like that. That is behavior. And so I think it's really important that we distinguish the two. All right, we go back to the phones. Rose is in Louisiana with a comment. Good morning, Rose. What do you have for us today? Hi. Um, I'm 24 years from the military. I served for 24 years, and I'm extremely worried. There's free speech and freedom of the press, and there's also bias in the press. And, you know, at what point does the bias in the press interfere with our right to get good information? My concern is, if you watch this whole farce of an election, depending on what news channel you listen to, you would think this is a vastly different universe. Um, one was violently this way. The other one was totally this way. Some people were marginalized. Some people weren't covered at all. You know, Trump was given free reign with very little fact-checking because it was entertainment and good for ratings. You know, and he got to just stand there and holler, crooked Hillary Clinton, crooked Hillary Clinton, for weeks. 
I mean, that's not exactly a political planned platform of how you intend to lead the nation. But that's the coverage that he was allowed to have. So I'm just worried about freedom of the press, but with bias. You know, it has to be true freedom to report correctly without just using it all as propaganda. And I mean, yes. <laughs> All right, Rose. Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for your service. I'm a uh, former military as well, so we, we appreciate you. Uh, Professor Gershon, any thoughts on uh, Rose? We, we've talked a little bit about uh, media bias before. Right. Uh, thanks, Rose. And Charlie Mitchell talked about media bias last week. You know, the fact is there is there is media bias, but we have to we as citizens have to understand that, that you can't just listen to one news source. You can't just read uh, on Facebook the people who agree with you. If we're going to really uh, learn from each other and, and uh, have a better democracy, we need to be willing to listen to both sides, talk about why we disagree, have that good uh, civil discourse, that, that public discourse. Um, and, but we cannot believe everything we read in the newspaper or hear, hear in, uh, on, on radio or on TV. We have to think for ourselves and we have to do some research. It takes a little bit of work to, to dig behind the facts and really see is you know, what being said true. Uh, there was some false information posted on on an, on the internet about uh, Secretary Clinton that people just believed uh, wholeheartedly until it was later proven to be a, a hoax. You know, the same thing could be said about uh, alien landings and things like that. You know, people can put anything on the internet. Uh, it's very easy to do. We have to think. We can't just uh, we can't believe everything we think, but we have to think. All right, we're going to try to squeeze in one more call. Christopher is in Jackson with a comment. Good morning, Christopher. What do you have for us? Yes, um, all the coverage that we have had lately with President Elect Trump, why now hasn't we heard anything about his medical or tax information, you know, his medical records or his tax um, returns? All right. Um, and I don't know, Dean Gershon, I guess it's left up to the various new news mediums what they want to cover or what they want to release, or is it possible that the, the public could request these things? What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's been traditional as president. Once he's president, he will uh, release his uh, his re- returns. You can find returns of other presidents online. In fact, you know, I think that conversation will continue. Uh, there's some accountability that we expect from our elected leaders, and that that's one of the things that we look for uh, is what you know what kinds of uh, income they have in addition to what they're being paid uh, in the White House when they're there to serve us, when they are you know, our public servants and not self servants. And so I think we're going to hear hear more about that. His health, I, you know, that's really a private matter, um, you know, but it, it it does it will affect us going forward. Any president we're concerned about their health and and what that means for the country. So I think we'll hear more about that. I don't think that's a closed discussion, but I agree with Sharita. You know, none of us has the power to to force that. Uh, it's really up to uh, the president himself, the president elect. All right, Christopher, thank you so much for your call. Uh, That's going to wrap us up today. Professor Gershon, great conversation. I hope it was a civil discussion and our listeners got something from the show today. So uh, thank you for suggesting this topic and for being our expert on the matter today. Uh, If you didn't get to call, you can send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Jonas Adams was our board operator and Liz Gill was our call screener. Uh, You can listen to former episodes of In Legal Terms. If you have a podcast app, you can listen 
listen to all the MPB shows on that app. And uh, don't go anywhere. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Relatively speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress is coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio.